Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 27. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a 10-day free trial, visit lynda.com slash connected. Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, and Squarespace, build it beautiful. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. And Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Federico Vitici. Hey guys. Hey Michael Hurley. Are you a, are you a billionaire yet? I am. Uh multiple times over a, a billionaire, yes. So like so you're like a trillionaire. Mhm. Hmm. Okay, cool. Is there any specific reason you asked me that question? Just so I know. No, because you you have been everywhere today. Oh. At least in my, at least in my in my Twitter and RSS feeds. There's like Mike 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 all over the place. <laughs> They're my favorite. Everywhere I turn place. my face there's Mike. Feels like like I'm being, I don't know, like I'm being followed by you. I feel like I should reinvent podcasts every single day uh, just so I can. I, I have to say it's very nice to see to see your name in, in lights in places, you know. It, I like it. Um, I, uh, in case you don't know what we're talking about, as a, a show that I do on, on Relay FM, this this podcast network of which Connected is a part of, called Inquisitive. And since like November, uh, I've been working on a new show. Well, I've been working on a, a new kind of um, direction for Inquisitive uh, called Behind the App. So basically the show is like a series of maybe 10 to 15 episodes. We'll see how many it will end up being uh, where I'm looking at the history of iOS app development uh, in episode one. And it's going to go through to like what it takes to build um, iOS apps and kind of what it's like to have Apple as a gatekeeper and stuff like that. It's a very different type of show to the shows that we tend to make. And I would hazard a guess to say to many of the podcasts you listen to from a production standpoint, it's very different. And I put a lot of work into it um, and I'm very proud of it. And I think that you might enjoy it if you haven't already heard it. So you should do that. So relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 27 is the episode that you want to start with. Yeah, I mentioned in my post today about it. Like this this sort of show is one reason that we started Relay. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is only possible when you control the whole stack. And so, you know, you we you had the idea, we fle- we fleshed out the idea, you have the time and your schedule to it's very I mean, people just don't know. This is for I don't know how long the show ended up being, forty minutes or so, forty five minutes. Hours of editing and um, yeah, just the, just the piecing together of the episode, let alone cutting up all the clips or the interviews or the script writing. Like just the actual edit of the episode probably took about three hours. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how many how many drafts and and pieces of it I've heard over the last couple months, but uh, I know I'm super I'm super happy that you're doing it, Mike. It's so, really exciting, Mike. You are now a full stock podcasters yeah <laughs> you you control it all you control all the pieces you're like um what's the like the mastermind of uh inquisitive no seriously man it's it's so like i listened to the first episode uh twice or three times maybe it's it's really great and uh, and again i say this not because you're my friend uh, i mean you are that you know, like you are my friend, but uh, I think objectively it's a, it's a great show, and I think it's a great idea at the right time. The format is really feels fresh, but also it doesn't doesn't feel strange. Like it feels just right to me, and so um, I know that you and Stephen have been doing so, 
so much planning for this and, and you know all the work behind the scenes so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan myself so thank you yeah. thank you very much yeah I, I'm, I'm very proud of it I'm very proud of it um, but you are my friend so don't don't worry when I say you know that kind of stuff you are my friend okay good <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I was happened, worried. Mike. I was really. Worried. No, no, nothing. Nothing happened, Mike. I can assure you. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I am worried. Shall we? Shall, shall we do follow up and leave Please. y'all's leave y'all's breakup behind? So well, Microsoft is still on the move. Um, Outlook for iOS, which we talked about the last couple of weeks, it's really kind of stuck around. Offers straight up IMAP support. So if you're like me and have mail at Fastmail or some other just IMAP service. You can use Outlook now. And uh, I plugged my Fastmail stuff in. It seemed to work just fine. I'm not using Outlook day-to-day, but um, it's great to have some, some options in here. And uh, they just yep. keep they keep rolling the updates out to this stuff. Um, the whole Office Suite, actually, this week also picked up support for iCloud Drive and other cloud services. So for a while, it was just OneDrive, and then it was OneDrive plus Dropbox, and now you can use iCloud Drive or anything else. Um Microsoft's doing stuff. They're they're making their app sort of better on iOS, and that's uh, that's a good time. I still need to add my IMAP accounts to to Outlook, but um, you know, I, this is what like a month that it uh, relaunched, maybe three weeks. I don't know. Um, I really I'm really enjoying uh, Outlook, and especially like I find myself when I need to look up like a time or just my schedule in general, instead of opening my calendar app, um, I open Outlook, which is kind of weird because, I mean, it's my email client. Uh, but I, I don't know, it sort of, I, I formed, I guess, this new habit and it's been working fine for me. Um, I wanted to ask you, Stephen, because you seem to be like the, the person who's a, an expert about this sort of stuff. Do you guys have like certified email Basically, nearly we have to, if you own a business, you have to create these, uh, if you want to receive like government messages over email um, and you want them to be certified, you need to create this special, it's called a PEC, it's spelled P-E-C in Italy, and it's basically like a certified email account that allows you to, I don't know, it's like, it's got like a special signature or whatever. Um, Do you have this sort of email I, I guess there's like a different name outside of Italy. Yeah, we uh, we don't here in the states. I mean, I've I've heard of that before, but it's not something that uh, goes on here. I mean, if I wanted the this, you know, for instance, the state of Tennessee where um, the LLC is is located, they send me emails about various things, and that could go to an AOL address for all they care. It seems like I just go into the state website and change it. So I don't think there's anything real special about that. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of those bureaucracy things that we do in Italy. It's, it's not a bad idea, though, right? Stuff. Like, if you send an email about yeah, tax but... information, it just goes to somebody. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool, I guess. It's just, you know, the process of stuff. I remember, like, last year, uh, it was kind of awful. Um, we we have a special ability in Italy to overcomplicate things and this is one of them so all this to say i'm gonna add this account in over imap you know for those occasional government emails that i get right mm-hmm. they're just like hey federico <laughs> how you doing 
is a picture of a cat. <laughs> How do you do it? How do you do the certification? Uh, you sign up. You have to provide your documents, like um, your ID, like uh, business information, and you go through this process. You pay with a credit card, and there's like a couple of providers that you can use to buy one of these email accounts. And they have like a at pec.it uh, domain name. And then you like you wait a couple of days and the email becomes active and you gotta go, you gotta, I basically gave this email to my local uh, business, government business and uh, like office. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know how it's called in America. Um, and then they use this email when they want to send you like notices when you wrong and you don't want to get those emails so i just get it you know i just get the good emails like we remind you that you gotta file your taxes you know between january and whatever you know those kind of messages and i need time up that the good the good news is that normally you would be forced to go to a website to, to like a web app for email that looks like windows 95 uh but thankfully you can you can configure um this special email uh, over imap so that's what it made me think of my email account that I need to add to to Outlook. <laughs> that seems Here, Stephen Hackett. That seems a little email expert. A little crazy. I'd never. I just. This was not where I expected the conversation <laughs> to go. <laughs> Businesses and government. Fun conversation. Oh yeah, my favorite of all conversations. <laughs> I, I bet that there must be some sort of uh, this sort of expert out there who will send us some follow-up that I for stuff that I got wrong. Yeah. I I'm did. sure there must be some government email uh certified expert. Yeah. I, I did I did find the link uh to the page. The parts of it that are in English seem to be was they're talking about the PEC. So um Federico if someone were wanted to find this uh, in in our show notes, where would they go? Uh they would go to the to the web. And just uh, go to Google and type connected show notes. At Google, will just give them to you. <laughs> no, I will. I th- okay, I think you got to go to relay.fm slash connected, which is, you know, the name of the show, and then another slash, and you type 27 for 27, and you get the show notes for this very episode. Google would probably work as well, though. It actually does. I don't know. It yeah. does? Yeah. Really? It pulls up uh, episode eight or something first. That doesn't okay. make any sense. But if you only want to see the show notes for episode eight, um, eight was a good episode. I, yeah, it was just to listen over and over to episode eight. Yeah, just and, what uh, was episode eight? It was. Uh, I've closed the tab now. It was uh, squidges. We talked about Twitter and health apps, and then the current state of iOS eight. So like every episode for like a month. True. <laughs> well, we talk about uh, this was leading up to the Retina iMac. Now we're just reading around show notes so we're gonna move on so i've got a little follow-up we we spoke last week about how memphis doesn't do very well in snow and ice i have no idea how we, that became a topic but it was and uh the 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 prompt curse has followed us to connected and now it's about weather Seriously. so we <laughs> we woke memphis woke up uh monday morning to like an inch and a half of just solid ice over everything. And wow. tomorrow is the first day that the schools will be open this week. Cause like you can't, 
I was out yesterday and today, and it's sketchy to drive, and because we don't have snow plows, and snow plows don't even deal with ice. Uh, we got a little snow last night on top of the ice, and now they're you need calling an ice plow. Dude, go to Kickstarter and start that. <laughs> um, it's just it's just all it is is me driving with Federico in the back of my car with a shovel, like scraping it along as I drive. Um, Do you want me to use a shovel? I don't know. I, I don't think I ever I ever used a shovel in my life. I really. don't think a shovel's going to help you of ice too much. You, gotta yeah. you know what? When it smash when it. it snowed in Italy a couple of years ago, and it was really really bad in Viterbo because like there was like two meters of snow. That's like twenty miles, Stephen. <laughs> 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 so basically, it snowed, it snowed so much that my 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 family was like, "You need to go outside with a shovel and you know remove the the, the snow from your car." I was just like, yeah, whatever. I, I don't want to. I tried. I I stayed inside for like three days. Yeah, and I I basically ran out of food at one point. I I was forced to cook my own uh, to bake my own cookies. I, I was remember out of- that. <laughs> yeah, I remember, remember that. Remember I'm that? sure I remember you taking pictures of what was in your fridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All I can do is make cookies. <laughs> exactly and uh, it was a really popular instagram picture i remember i got a lot of likes for cookies um and i so i stay inside steven i i don't don't try to make me use a shovel okay um, uh, well the we'll, only shovel i use is a shovel night well right michael oh yeah we'll, <laughs> p- we'll pivot then to something else but uh now they're calling steven, for more games. that's uh they're calling for more snow and ice now tomorrow night so I might never see you guys again, but uh, so we've cursed it, and uh, we got ice, and everyone is dead. So oh, that's that's a good time. Uh, so uh, move, moving on to the follow up, uh, we got an email this week um, from a listener named Spencer, and uh, I thought it was interesting. I thought it'd be worth uh, talking about. Um, Spencer writes. Uh, I wanted to know what you thought of a price reduction strategy for the Apple Watch. This individual device would be expensive. With the iPhone, there's less initial cost because of a two-year contract with the cellular provider. Basically, could Apple do that and somehow subsidize the watch with iCloud storage or vice versa? Um, I thought it was interesting. I don't ever foresee that sort of thing happening for a bunch of reasons, but what do you guys think about this? It it doesn't to me like those things don't really seem to like add up like that that it would happen like it just there just doesn't seem like those two things would really make much sense for Apple to do mm-hmm. because like the subsidizing of the iPhone is not something that Apple subsidizes like they are selling them at full price just to the the cell the cell companies and then they subsidize it for Apple. So like Apple's still making all of the money and like then they still make money on the iCloud. Like selling you iCloud services feels like money left on the table because they would sell you the iCloud services anyway. Yeah, I yeah. I totally agree. I mean that's that really sums up my thoughts. And And I think it's especially problematic when you consider how how often Apple has changed the iCloud pricing scheme over the years. Like it started as a like you know, one type of service, and then they change the price, and then they change the price again. And I think that maybe just trying to uh, to sell the Apple Watch in this way would like force Apple to never change. You know, iCloud pricing again. I don't know. It just seems it doesn't seem to me like the sort of thing that Apple would do. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think above all of that, iCloud and the watch, from what we know today, don't have a ton of interaction, right? Because the watch is basically a satellite for the phone. And so if Apple was ever going to do more with with iCloud um, and and maybe make the pricing better or more aggressive or or something like that, I don't think the watch is the product they would attach it to. It just, you know, back in the day when you bought a Mac, you know, I remember very clearly at the Apple store, like trying to sell dot Mac memberships because that was an add on. And, you know, right now iCloud doesn't really connect to the watch. It connects to all these other products. And so I do think iCloud pricing is still a little weird in places. I hate that I can't pay for just a year, but they, they ping my debit card for 99 cents a month. But, um, uh, I don't really see a world where the watch is somehow subsidized or iCloud is subsidized by the watch or anything like that, honestly. But uh, an interesting point, I think. So, mm-hmm. something to talk about. Um, Michael. Yes, sir. You want to tell us about some of our friends? Oh, I would love to. Uh, this week's episode of our fine podcast radio program is brought to you by our friends over at Linda. Lynda.com are a great company that allow you to learn new and awesome things. Lynda.com can give you a 10-day free trial. You just go to Lynda.com, sign up right now, and you'll be able to invest in yourself and learn something new. Lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as some software training too. Maybe you want to learn uh, Adobe Photoshop or Illustrator. They have courses taught by the people that work at Adobe. Maybe you want to learn Excel or you want to learn, oh, I don't know, uh, maybe you want to learn Aperture before it goes away. You can still do that with Lynda.com. Maybe you want to learn a new hobby. Maybe you want to set yourself some uh, new goals for this year that Lynda.com can help you achieve by allowing you to learn cool stuff. Or maybe you want to just improve some skills that you've had for ages. Maybe you want to get a raise this year. So if you're able to maybe train yourself a little bit more, then you can get that. Lynda.com will give you unlimited access to all of their courses once you sign up and you'll be able to view them on your desktop, uh, on your uh, on your PC if you want to, on your Mac, on, on the iOS and Android apps that they have as well. You can learn wherever you want, whenever you want with Lynda.com. Maybe you're interested in getting into app development. Well, they have uh, Swift training. If you're interested in that, they can help you. Uh, look at moving your current Objective-C apps to Swift, which is something that you can do now. Lynda.com has a great kind of like uh, com- comparison course. So you can kind of look between the two of them and see what the easiest ways are to move over. And I mentioned Illustrator and Photoshop. Uh, Lynda.com have great courses on those, but maybe you're interested in getting into design. They have just courses in general, maybe about drawing, but also on how to draw vector graphics and stuff like that. So maybe you're interested in graphic design or logo design or even app design. Uh, All of those courses can be of great help to you. Lynda.com is just a great resource. It's one of those things that you kind of, once you start digging into it you learn you learn all those things that you've kind of been putting off for years it's like oh i have always wanted to try and make my own podcast where you can learn garage band or you can learn logic or you know i have always wanted to uh, learn gtd they have courses on that so it's it really is just a fantastic resource and if for some reason you haven't tried it out yet you can get a free 10-day trial by going to lynda.com connected you can sign up right now and you'll get to play around with it for 10 days for free 
Thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. I challenge you to learn something new with lynda.com. Alrighty. So the New Yorker published a, I think I saw 16,000 word. It's crazy. It's a book, yep. basically. Uh, did you read it, Mike? No. <laughs> of course you uh, didn't. Hey, I read it. Uh, I read it all on my iPad. And it was it was great. It's it is long and it is at times a little a little tedious, but definitely the best look the public's been given of Ive and his work. And um so I thought maybe I mean I'm sure lots of people have read it again, it'll be in the show notes. But uh I thought maybe we could just kind of touch on some high points that sort of we thought were interesting and then go mm-hmm. from there. How about you two yeah. just tell me the interesting things that you found? <laughs> Okay, so basically Johnny Ivy secretly he comes from Mars oh. and he and he came to our planet to basically uh finish all our aluminium resources. <laughs> so that basically the human race will end. Uh-huh. And it's like it's part of a Johnny Ives master plan is to uh finish us off by uh, using all the uh, aluminium on Earth. He's depleting the world's aluminium sources. Yeah. Fair That's enough. the like the takeaway from the old pieces. This one. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't have expected that. I'm pleased no. that the New Yorker was able to capture this very important piece of information. It's also awesome reporting by the New Yorker. To <laughs> <laughs> <you> move on. <laughs> okay, so basically, uh, I will start. I think the general theme of the article is that Johnny Ive is a really tired and stressed person that he works a lot and he oversees a lot of projects. So he's in charge of uh, iPhone, iPad, Mac, hardware design. He handles uh, the human interface group. uh, So that means software and other uh, design initiatives in general. He's also in charge of, um, I mean, he's basically overseeing uh, a major redesign of the Apple Store, uh, which will include, uh, according to the article, new see-through tables for the Apple Watch. He's also overseeing the new Apple Campus 2 project, and he drives there basically every day to uh, check on the status with the uh, Norman Foster um, company guys uh, working on, at, the, at the site. Uh, what else? Is I think it, is... that those two things maybe somebody else could do. Yeah, that's, that was kind of weird. Basically, and he's like obsessed over the construction of the of the site. Like there's a, a lot of details in the article about like how the the floor and uh, like the walls will will form some some sort of corner, uh, you know, when they when they collide. So like a lot of details, like a lot of you know minimal details, small small details of of the old structure. He's in charge of those, and he's overseeing it, and he's changing stuff again, still. I apologize. Well, I, I'm just going to apologize once for my ignorance because I haven't read this. But like the when you say about like the floors and walls corner thing, is that like when you create like a, a light box out of photography, and it, it it's got this specific term to it, where like well, you, yeah, kinda. That's that's my understanding. Like a, like the transition is seamless. I, that's what I 
understood from no not, not meant to be a joke no like no, no no i'm not laughing at you i'm laughing at the thought that now <laughs> yeah. they'll just do those product videos just, from any corridor just any office <laughs> well and if you and if you get yeah. lost you find where they're keeping scott forstall and he's just no, like no, no. touching an original <laughs> ipad over and over <laughs> no no get this mike basically i'm not joking again johnny ivy is, is uh like he has a problem with uh sharp corners so he specifically mentions that he wanted to change the shape of icons uh, of iOS 5 and iOS 6 uh, to more uh, software, uh, soft and like rounder corners yeah. in iOS 7 because he was annoyed by the shape uh, before iOS 7. And like the article mentions in other uh, sections that is really like he has a basically a personal problem with corners of stuff and that he used to argue for hours with Steve Jobs about corners uh, Clear, of basically everything. Clearly he doesn't use folders on his iOS devices because the corner <laughs> radius still changes after load. Yeah. It, it, I can't, I can't look at it. Um, yeah. yeah it, it oh does, it, man, I didn't know that it still did that. Oh, yeah. It, at least that? in uh, iOS 8.1.3 it still does. Wow. Yeah. Federico, I was impressed too by the fact that he just, he seems to be doing Lots of things. Now I'm sure that he has lots of people helping him and all these things. And I, you know, I know because I've been through a commercial construction project um, that there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of people. But it, it does seem like why, why does he have to go on site? I mean, it, the question is, did he do that because there there was a reporter and they're trying to show that he's doing all these things, or is this like, is he really as thinly stretched as it seems and it definitely is a a little concerning um someone on twitter the other day was like we're gonna get to the car stuff but like apple do a car to keep johnny i from being bored like i I don't think boredom is is the risk (laughs) with johnny i i think it's i think it's like uh (laughs) utter annihilation of of time (laughs) actually if anything i think they're making the apple watch because this guy needs to take care of his health you know yeah <laughs> i mean it's, they 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 mentioned that that he's, he's been so stressed out and so tired before the introduction of the iphone 6 and the apple watch and apple pay all the, the september event um that he was basically really ill and that he needed to rest so he took a vacation uh for the first time in years like this guy needs to you know take like six months off and just sleep i feel like that maybe the um the construction project like the architecture project that might just be something like he wants to do because he's never going to get to do that again like in theory like you can imagine someone being like really interested in that because he's probably not an architect right by training like i'm just going to assume that that's the case i mean and it might sound stupid but i don't know what he's i off the top of my head what his formal training was so like he's probably in a situation where he can play architect like in this scenario, like, and nobody's going to tell him he can't, and he might just be interested in that like process. So I can kind of see that one, but maybe some of the other stuff, like the idea of helping redesign the Apple stores, like, there is just to me, like just allow the people that do that to just do that. Like you don't need to do that. Yeah, the article says what we already knew, that basically Steve Jobs set up uh, Johnny Ive's role in a way that he can basically have his uh, say in everything that Apple does. 
So and also <laughs> they say that at Apple uh, the role of designers is uh, held in such high regard that it's like when a priest walks into a church. <laughs> uh, so when a designer walks into a meeting, it's like whatever the designer says, you gotta basically shut up and listen. Um, and so yeah, Johnny, I basically can go to you know to the retail team and say, yep, I don't like the corner of the table. Then he goes to the to the campus site and he's like, yeah, I don't like the corner of the the wall. And the <laughs> he's just he's just done corner brigade. <laughs> where are the corners? Well, let me eradicate them. Maybe he has a, a tumbler where he makes fun of bad corners. <laughs> Johnny, yeah, I redesigns corners. Yeah, tumbler.com. It- <laughs> <laughs> but but you know I think I think that is interesting. There was a there was a quote in the article comparing the way design works at Apple and the way design works at other at other companies and that instead of being like one vertical stripe as you move through a product yeah. lifestyle that oh I'm in design now I'm out of design that it's horizontal that you are always design is always involved and there are, you know uh comments in the article about like retail packaging and all these things and it's really you know, we made the joke about being full stack podcasters, but with Apple, it really is like full stack design, uh, like world where you know the the guys in this lab can 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 speak into any project and are involved from the very inception. You know, they're they're meeting with engineers, they're milling things. I mean, that's and I'd known they had had uh, milling machines have put in in, in Cupertino that that's been written about before. But like they just go make prototypes, and they had a prototype for all the iPhone sizes when they were going to go bigger, and they, you know, settled on four point seven and five point five by ruling out all the others. And I think that approach, while ex- I'm sure exhausting, like that's why the stuff is so, especially yeah. the hardware, is so good. And there was a there was a bit in the article, Mike, about the desks that they the tables actually that they use in the design lab, which is basically this large room where uh, what's the number like forty people, Stephen, fifty people, uh, maybe less. Yeah, I think that if, I don't remember, but I think that's the high yeah. end. Yeah, I'm so there's a, this is just Johnny's team, right? Like, uh, yeah, the design team, the design, like the, the really special people at Apple, and they have these tables. And again, Johnny Ive and Steve Jobs obsessed over the these tables because they they made them that they are basically low enough when you want to sit down and work, but also high enough when you want to demonstrate stuff while standing up. That seems like it 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 defies <laughs> the laws of physics. <laughs> no, it's they say it's possible. Apparently. It's a table it that you can stand at and sit at, and it's the exact yeah, right height for a, both things. It's a, the Johnny <laughs> Magic Table. It's a it's a they have a trademark. Yeah. Well, it's it's you know, the table thing really like pulls through Apple. The an interview with Tim Cook several years ago. I think maybe right after he was CEO, named CEO. Um, you know, he had this this quote of, you know, ev- everything we make, we can put on this table. And he repeated it on the Charlie Rose show. Um, that's sort of a an idea that Tim Cook likes to spout, that, you know, everything we make, we can put on your dining room table. And that that's our business, right? All of it. And uh, thinking back at this article, they're talking about, you know, they would have, you know, all these iPhones on the table and, and then the old stuff gets cleared off and then the new thing is on the table. And that's, that's sort of like hands-on collaborative approach to design, I think. Is something that resonates even with Tim Cook on the product side. That you know, this is really it's. There's a lot going on here, but it's sort of simple to understand, and that's really, I think, 
why Ive is so good at what he does is like these things are complicated devices and iOS 7 and 8 are complicated pieces of software, but they're doing what they can to make it simple to use and easy to understand. You know, the, one of my favorite bits of industrial design ever out of Apple is the iPhone uh, ringer mute switch, where if it's on mute, you get a little sliver of that sort of orangey yeah. red down there. So even if it doesn't vibrate, if you can't remember, you can just look at it and know, okay, it's on mute because you know what that red means. It's those little types of touches that really set their stuff apart. One of the other great uh, parts from the article, Mike, uh, is when they, uh, the reporter asks about how do you, um, do you relate to the fact that people are about to walk into an Apple store in September and buy a new iPhone, and you're already working on the next iPhone. And uh, I says, when we develop a new product in this way, like an iPhone, um, of course, when the, when the current iPhone comes out, we're already using uh, the next iPhone. And, and he says, and like he looks at the iPhone 6 and he says, like, this is already boring to me uh, because he's using the, the iPhone 6S or the iPhone 7. And, and I think that's fascinating because, I, I mean, we know that, uh, of course, Apple is working already. Probably they have already finished the next iPhone. But just to think that a person like me and you were all excited to get the new iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus, and there's somebody uh, on this planet who thinks it, who thinks it's already ugly and boring, I think that was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you probably assume, right, that he's using a... a, a a version of the iPhone 7 when the iPhone 6 comes out because they don't need to start thinking about the 6s or whatever do it because it's the same like for 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 yeah. for Johnny's perspective like his team is done like for for a whole like yeah. two I mean, years I mean, each one maybe i mean the 4s and 5s did have minor hardware revisions but i see what you're saying right that it's adding touch id or changing the antenna brakes not a huge deal as opposed to the next major release yeah like he's he's already thinking about like the whole next full redesign right i mean i'm yeah. sure there's people in his team that are working on the minor revisions but he's not like i can't so imagine the, that he's they, doing that. they began testing the um the bigger iphones with the iphone 4 design in 2010 2011 mm-hmm. um and basically because of the design it was all you know, it was a basically with the sharp edges. <laughs> You're carrying like a v- I, I VHS tape around. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I bet he tested, hated it. <laughs> they, they tested this uh, 5.7 inch uh, iPhone, huge iPhone 4, and it's like it was too bulky and uncomfortable, <laughs> and we just decided to wait. Probably a good call. Yeah, yeah. That the the rounded corners, as slippery as it makes it, does help with the kind of making it seem smaller. Um. I think kind of the the last thing that that I wanted to touch on was the sort of Johnny Ive outside of the lab. So, I mean, they, he interviewed him at his house. He talked to people who know him. Um, They kind of made a sort of a a story about how he, uh, he's chauffeured to work now. Like he was in a car accident several years ago. And I think people were like, okay, someone needs to drive you. Um, Mm. He kind of makes jokes about Toyotas because he rides into Bentley. I, None of that really rubbed me the wrong way. Like, dude has been super successful. He's super wealthy because of it. Like, that's great. But what what struck me was um, the the writer whose name has escaped me. Uh, they they get to 
to his house and he apologizes that they got there after dark. Like, uh, I know part of that's like sort of, um, like I can kind of like see him in a top hat with a British flag. Like some of that is sort of ingrained, I think in the, in the British culture, but maybe Mike could disagree with that. But I just, that little thing kind of like, that little story reminded me like he is, he is a real person, right? Like he's not just this machine that's cranking out aluminum things, but that sort of like, Hey, you know, I'm sorry we got here after dark. Like that, that little like human touch, uh, I thought was a really nice all, you know, all throughout this article, really nice touch of seeing him not only at work, but kind of like yeah. what makes him tick. And, um, yeah. I don't know. I, that little story just kind of jumped out at me. I, th- I thought it was pretty, pretty yeah. nice. And also when, when they say that, um, he has a poster in his office with a lot of, uh, curses in, in this poster, like a lot of uh, yeah. words that we cannot say here. I was like, yeah, Johnny keeps posters like teenagers. That's kind of, kind of human, you know? There's always the thing that that I love about about Johnny Ive, which was that the video of him on the there's a the, the British TV show called Blue Peter. Oh yes, um, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes in case you've never seen it. But it, it's it's such a great moment, and it makes sense to me because if you are if you are a British person and was a child as a British person, like in the last like forty years, you would feel that way and that happy about being on Blue Peter, like and getting the gold badge, like, like he does. Like it, it's this whole thing. Look, you you can look it up. It's not really much point in me going into it, but the idea is like it really showed to me that like he has a very human side, and and I think that especially under Steve Jobs, like. There was, you know, uh, uh, there was at least a time where we kind of thought of Apple executives as kind of like not real people. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, because because he's an alien. Oh yeah, except for the fact that he's an alien. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Because like Jobs was such a like, obviously was a human, you know, yeah. but like was was you never saw him that way. And it kind of that that kind of and the secrecy helps that kind of permeate. Yeah. Um, but it, it you know that that for me like it really showed like a personal side to him that, that I really liked, and I think it's a personal side that that Tim Cook, uh, Tim's Apple is bringing out in the executives now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, where Steve's Steve's Apple was very much like we are not real people. We are like like. The, like we the are machine like, that you mentioned. Yeah. You know? We are above you as a like next yeah. level human. Yeah. I get this sort of feeling from the old Apple. And what's really sad is that uh, the uh, the Steve Jobs biography failed miserably to capture this human side. Yes. It, it was factually wrong and it didn't it's not really a biography. And of course, Johnny Ive uh, I, I cannot remember the exact quote, uh, but he's not really happy about the biography in the article. He says, I, I I think I couldn't hold it in lower regard. It was really bad. I did read that. I've read that somewhere uh, <laughs> over the last like I've seen a few quotes here and there, you know, but like I did see that. I was like, oh, like he, yeah. he didn't just put it down like that's a he sick burn. Exactly what he yeah. wanted to say. Like I could not hold it in lower regard. What a great line. And that must be so upsetting, like to people to people like Johnny, who Steve was such a close friend of his and maybe thought that this biography, when he knew it was happening, would finally give people 
a taste of what he knew one of his closest friends to be like and kind of the book just didn't do that. Yeah. It must suck. No. I think I'm going to start saying my regard couldn't be any lower, like in meetings and stuff. Like, what do you think about this logo concept? Well, <laughs> just use it as a quote. It's utterly, utterly destroy people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. You should also get a driver, Stephen. I should. And, and I have apologize a, I bought a, for getting I bought a Toyota, though. I bought a Toyota, so... <laughs> Just, cool. just, just buy some like a Bentley logo and put it on the car and Done. pretend it's a, it's a vintage Bentley. I'll be I on, don't know. I'll be on eBay uh, during the next <laughs> ad read. <laughs> Anything else from Jericho? Yeah, I mean, there's the Apple Car, but we're going to talk that, about that in a, in a few minutes. Um, no, I think we summed up the, the most relevant quotes. There's, there's a like some funny bits that I don't remember. Uh, one more thing that I want to mention, there's no, like, the reporter got access to Apple, to Johnny Ives' wife, to close friends, to, uh, what's the guy, uh, Mark Newsom, um, the designer. He didn't talk to Phil Schiller at Apple for some reason. I, that kind of stood out to me because Phil, we, we always see him on, on stage, you know, and in videos. And he did he, I mean, he talked to Mansfield, I think to Big Bob, and he didn't talk to to Schiller. It was kind of strange. If there's, you know, we were talking about, like, the the bigger-than-you, kind of, like, look-down-upon-you type Apple, and maybe he's the only person left who's kind of like that. Probably. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I mean, that's that's like allegations to make about the man, but, but like, all I mean is, like, if there's going to be anybody that's potentially going to still be like that in the Apple executive team. He may still be in that mindset. Or he was probably busy just taking pictures of squirrels. Probably (laughs) was doing that. (laughs) With the iPhone 7, I don't know. About that, like a very quick aside, the the families of the Apple executive teams are very different all the time. They have huge families. Yeah, They're always talking about their family vacations that they go on and they've got completely new families in their photos. Uh, there know. should be there should be a TV show about about the Apple executive families. <laughs> <laughs> Call it like iFriends or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like there could be such great stories in this show. I don't know. Oh, like they, have dinners, they have dinners together and like they talk behind their backs, you know, all the kind of like a parenthood for Apple executive families. Uh, that that could be such a great show, man. Where's a Joe Steele when you need it? I I need to, I need to talk to Joe. This week's episode of Connected is also brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. With Igloo, you can share news, organize your files, coordinate calendars, and manage projects all in one place. It's a fantastic way for you and your team to work together and socialize together too. Igloo's intranet works on any mobile device, including the iPhones, the iPads, anywhere you can get to a web browser. It's going to look fantastic because they have responsive design, built right into the platform. So you can do anything from read a document, manage your tasks, or share a photo of your lunch, to administrative tasks like managing your settings. Igloo will allow you to work how you want, where you want, whenever you want. Igloo's latest upgrade, Viking, revolves around documents and how you interact with them, gather feedback, and make changes. They have a great HTML5 document preview engine. Uh, This can be viewed on all platforms and ensures everyone is up to date on the most 
recent version, and they've even added the ability to track who's read critical information to keep everyone on the same page. It's kind of like read receipts in your email, but less annoying, helping you track whether employees have read and acknowledged policies, signed off on legal agreements, or confirmed completion of training materials. Best of all, Igloo's platform is super customizable. You can change how your Igloo looks and functions, uh, within even within certain groups so you can customize exactly as you want it to work for different teams or for your entire igloo really really easily and these changes show up everywhere instantly if your company has a legacy intranet that looks like it was built in the 90s you should be giving igloo a try igloo is free to use of up to 10 people and you can sign up instantly at igloosoftware.com slash connected thank you so much to igloo for their support of this show and relay fm So I guess we should talk about the car thing. Yeah, sure. I've sort of been of. I, I uh, feel like <laughs> I feel like Mike should talk about cars. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because I know that you're uh, uh, a very passionate driver. Michael. Oh right, I get it. Yes, yes. I of the three of us, I don't have a driving <laughs> license. That's correct. So let me ask you: uh-huh. If Apple does a car. Would you buy one and finally get a license? No. <laughs> oh, come on. It's Why? nothing to do with car manufacturers. I just He could can't. buy one and just keep it at home. <laughs> it's just in his dra- difficult in his to get it. It's difficult to uh to warrant the cost of a car in in London. Is it really that bad? It's just a London? lot of congestion and public transport's really good. So <laughs> You can, you can kind of get everywhere you need to get with public transport, so it kind of seems pointless to, to spend all that money on a car. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe, when you will have a family, you will move to the uh, British countryside, uh, lives in a house, in a very big house in the country, <laughs> Mike, and you, will, and you will get a car to commute uh, I think, to London. I think what will end up changing me is when I have a family. So when I, when I have kids, that's probably what will change me into getting a car because then you kind of you there are more tangible reasons for owning a car mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So Stephen, tell us about Project Titan. Project Titan, which is an epic name. Uh this came yes. out uh last week or over the weekend, I think. Just a couple of links, one to the Wall Street Journals, uh one to Re- uh Reuters, Reuters? Reuters. 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 Mm-hmm. Reuters. It's Those not people. like where you connect your internet to. That's a that's a modem. <laughs> <laughs> modem tos. <laughs> <laughs> so WSJ and modemers, uh, kind of conflicting. WSJ says that Apple is working on a car project. Could it be as many as a thousand people working on it. It is for an electric car. This comes on the heels of a lot of reports that. Uh, Elon Musk and Tim Cook are fighting over employees in the Valley to work on their uh, apparently respective car projects. Um, Did you feel like Tim Cook could take down Elon in a fight? No, Elon Musk is like Iron Man. Yeah, I don't like, know, but Tim you're, Cook you're, has you're, some serious bulk. It's, the guy's big. Yeah, yeah, but Elon Musk has like rocket hands, so it's mm, a, it's a, you're going you're to lose. I feel like you made um, up the rocket hands thing. You don't know that. Okay. I made it up. <laughs> so, obviously, like, our corner of the internet sort of just went crazy with this. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, my knee-jerk reaction was uh, an Apple car sort of made me laugh because Finder had just crashed for, like, the fifth time that day. Um, 
But I think big picture, it's pretty interesting. You know, a thousand engineers working on this, they're not pulling engineering resources from like, you know, the Swift framework team more likely than not. You know, it's not, it's not like these people were working on iCloud infrastructure and now are working on seatbelts. It's, uh, I don't think this is as big of a resource drain, especially if they're hiring people in. But I, I, I don't know. Like, is is an Apple Car the most ridiculous thing in the world? I, I don't think it is because the technology industry and the car industry are just like merging more and more every year. And uh, so I don't know. Uh, it's 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 weird. The ways in which they're merging though are still so very far away from each other. Like. Just because a car runs on electricity doesn't make it a consumer electronic. I know we've had this discussion, I believe, a few times, but that my my feeling about it, like yes, it is electric, but it's very different. Like a car which co- will cost like twenty grand, as opposed to a computer which costs one. Like it's 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 these these are very different things. Like as well, like Apple tends not to have to worry about a myriad of things. Like if uh if the computer hits a wall or the computer crashes, will it kill anyone? Like no, all it will do is is make a Skype recording really upset, and you have to use that, and then all the listeners get upset. You know, if your computer crashes. <laughs> Uh, like oh, it, you know, when has that happened? <laughs> not today. Um, it's it's not the same. Like the ramifications of issues are so vastly different. Like that, that fundamentally, you have to start thinking things differently as a company. And where I had the same uh, feeling that you did initially, like this is insane, and I still do to a point think this is insane. Uh, it's like I, I just. Uh, like you know, and I get what you're saying. Like your 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 piece on it, I thought was very very thoughtful, and I quite liked it. I still think that like this is such a huge change for the company that it doesn't even really make sense to me. Like it, it would seem so peculiar. Oh yeah, oh it definitely is, and it's it's beyond consumer electronics for sure. I mean. You know, Apple doing CarPlay, like that's still Apple doing iPhone type things, right? But this is something totally different. And and I think the reality is that, you know, Apple is the largest um the largest tech company in the world. One of the largest companies in the world, period, tech or not. So uh they're playing with all sorts of things, you know. It, is Project Height never gonna end up sitting in my driveway? I don't know. But it's not crazy for Apple to be playing with things. You know, one thing that, that I had that kind of came to memory under Steve jobs, uh, R and D at Apple was very small for the size of the company that they were. And it's expanded under Tim cook. If you look at their, at their earnings reports. And, uh, I think, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think Apple needs to be experimenting and, and thinking about different things. But, uh, as far as, uh, as a car showing up in two years or five years, I'm not sold on that, but, um, I don't know. What, what do you think, Federico? It all sounds so far away from me. Not in just in the sense that I'm not really a car expert. Like I don't think about my car. I like I just want to drive my car because it needs to take me places. I don't follow car news. I 
not just in that sense that I'm, you know, that I don't care that much, but also all this talk about self-driving cars, Tesla, electric cars. I mean, in Italy, we are very much far away from this Silicon Valley type of uh, car news. And also here, uh, driving old school manual shift is still very much what most people do. And I myself have grown up and I learned to drive manual. And to me, driving is manual because I, I actually like driving. Like I like the all the gestures and not not the gestures in the in the sense of stereotype, but all um, the stuff you need to do to 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 drive a car to you know the shift and and the steering wheel. So thinking about these electric cars with presumably automatic shifts and maybe even self driving, it sounds so you know, so different, so new to me. And so it's difficult for me to imagine this sort of Apple car stuff. And also, it seems like what you said, Stephen, it's it's a massive undertaking. It's a massive change uh, because making a car is not like making an iPhone. And I think Craig Huckenberry uh, made a great point um, on his blog about you cannot ship thousands of iPhone of Apple cars overnight from China on a plane like you can with with an i with iPhones. <laughs> it's a really big and plane. It's uh, uh, unless you have a really big plane. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't know. It's it's so. And I have a friend who works at Maserati here in Italy. He's a project manager. And when we talk, when he comes down to Viterbo, and when occasionally we meet and we catch up. And he, and he explains to me the process of um, the manufacturing and all the different pieces and how many people are involved and all the machinery and they constantly need to upgrade these machines and like the, uh, how they build stuff, all the little details. It's just, it's a completely different manufacturing, marketing, everything is different. So while you can reuse like... Apple makes iPhones, they make iPads, and they can reuse components, they can reuse people, they can share, I don't know, marketing people. Making a car is like a whole different market. It's not another type of computer. It's another type of object with a completely different type of price. And so for this reason, I don't know, it seems if they're really doing this, and this is my other, the other half of my feelings about this, I think Apple is working on this stuff because it just makes sense. They have all that cash. They are crazy enough to have people like Johnny Ive who basically don't sleep anymore and they want to oversee everything and they seem to be, in a good way, self-conscious enough that they know that they can make better design than others. And also considering Apple's interest in, you know, being green and supporting renewable energies, that kind of stuff, making a car that allows people to drive without, you know, uh, pollution or that sort of old school, like you need to put gas into your tank um, mindset, it's, it makes sense, but it's a massive undertaking and change. So I'm kind of torn between, you know, my nature of an Italian who drives a manual car and doesn't follow car news 
And the idea that Apple is, in theory, well-positioned to do this sort of effort. But in practice, it's a massive change. And so, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating, much more fascinating than the iPad stylus, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'll leave you with that. What if the car will come with a stylus? Then you could do real work in it. Mm. Hmm. 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 It, yeah, I agree totally. It's it's such a different ball game. Uh, the ex CEO of GM, who has been in the news a lot recently for building cars that kill people, unfortunately, uh, they have lots of recalls and whatnot going on right now. Uh, you know, he he had a quote that was eerily similar to like Steve Ballmer rejecting the iPhone and kind of the. Uh, they're not going to walk in and figure this out type of, of feeling. And that, is, you know, is not shocking, but I think even more so than with Bomber and the phone and, and these other companies looking at Apple in the past, this really is a huge jump. I mean, going from a computer to a smartphone, that's a jump, but it's still a computer type thing. And a car is not a computer type thing. Um, you know, maybe all we see out of this is CarPlay gets a lot better or, you know, it's easier to use or something. I, I would love to see Apple take over the dashboard in a, in a more robust way. I mean, uh, what Snell, kind of dashboard? The OS the, dashboard? Mm, I want widgets inside my inside my car. And uh, when you add a new one, you get the little ripple effect. It'd be exciting. S- Steven, stop. You like the ripple effect? No. Just widgets. Just widgets. Widgets are really helpful <clears throat> for some people. So, I, I don't know. I Time will tell with this. I think this is, I think Project Titan is one of many things Apple is doing that we don't know about. Uh, this one leaked, obviously, because it seems to be really big. The fact that it is so big, I think, leads credence that uh, Apple is taking it seriously. You know, it's not just a, a handful of people in a room somewhere, like, tinkering with something. But uh, it, it, it would definitely mark a new chapter in the company if this were to come true. And I think it would be a really, really big deal. Does it mean they're losing focus? Does it mean that the, the, the software quality is going to continue to suffer for the Mac and iOS? Uh, I don't know if they're if those things are, are hand in hand, but it would definitely be an adventure. And I think I think for now that's all we could really say. This week's episode of Connected is also brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code WORLD at checkout. When it comes to giving yourself a place online, there is nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all of the power you need into your hands and take away all of the pain points like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. Squarespace have applied everything that they have learned from powering millions of sites on the web to make an even better platform with their newly released Squarespace 7. Squarespace's fantastic, clean, and beautiful designs allow you to craft a home for yourself online. And with Squarespace 7, they have added even more of them. They have 15 new total sorry 15 new templates in total that all feature responsive web design built right in they've partnered with some really cool musicians artists architects and chefs to develop new templates that even cater to these professions they've added something called cover pages that allows you to create really great looking single page websites of all of the full power of a squarespace site they're really cool for personal announcements or intros to your website or something like that they've partnered with getty images to provide you with a great deal on awesome photography at just ten dollars an image 
They have their fantastic 24-7 support through live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland who are there to help you with that. Squarespace's commerce platform as well, they have that, which is fantastic. This allows you to build your own store into your Squarespace site. That's what we use to sell our Relay FM merchandise as well. If you sign up for a year with Squarespace, you'll get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called, and their plan starts at just $8 a month. Sign up for a free trial right now with no credit card required, and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code WORLD to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for helping us out today. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So there was something that we kind of wanted to bring up today uh, after Dropbox announced that they've kind of beefed up their app by adding uh, extensions. Um, and I'm kind of interested to, to understand how is everybody using extensions these days? From the share sheet. Yes. Good topic. I'm sorry, man. Okay, so <laughs> this is a topic that, in all seriousness, I'm sorry, guys. I like to be funny on occasion. Um, I want to talk about extensions because it's been a few months since I use it came out. And I know that, I, I mean, you also know that I use my iPhone and iPad a lot. But um, I want to start from you, Stephen, uh, because you seem to be the more Mac OS X type of guy here. Uh, so tell me, when you use your iPhone or your iPad, do you use extensions much? Do you use them for, excuse me for using this terminology, consumption type of stuff? Or do you use to actually do stuff more quickly uh, that is not reading or watching a movie or whatever? Yeah, so my usage is really based around only a handful of extensions, but the ones that have stuck around, I'm using pretty heavily. Uh, the, the big three for me are day one Instapaper and Pinner, which is a pinboard application. And so with, with day one, for instance, you can have a photo, you can be in the camera roll and send it off to day one and add information to it. That makes it really easy to, you know, I, I really like day one, but it can be a little slow to go in and add a new post and tell it what info you want. You can do it all from the share sheet, which is Really fast and really nice, and and my day one usage has gone up incredibly since that that extension has has worked. Uh, Instapaper and Pinner, you know, I think are definitely more in the consumption space of things. Of hey, I want to send something to one of these two services, but is definitely something that makes that a lot faster. I have gotten rid of almost all of my little bookmarklets that I used to run in Mobile Safari to do all this stuff. Extensions have just completely taken over uh, all of that. Um, and of course, you know, there's some others, there's some utility ones like one password and the workflow uh, extension, which are both super powerful. And um, one password in particular uh, has really made browsing. And, and like the other night, I bought something on Amazon just on my phone because I knew that I had the one password extension. I didn't have to go and copy my Amazon password in and do all that crazy stuff. Uh, so it was definitely a time saver for me on, on kind of both sides of that, of that question. Hmm. Mike, what about you? So my, I think my main problem is that like the majority of the time I forget that extensions exist. Like 
I might be doing something or I go to, I open up that extension as paying for something. I'm like, oh yeah, there's that extension is here that I can use to do these things. Or like I'm thinking about a way to get something done and don't even consider to think maybe an extension could fix this. Maybe I don't, maybe I should go and find an app that has an extension. Like that mm. that has yet to really truly become a part of my kind of thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is. Maybe, maybe just there aren't as many use cases as there could be yet, or sorry, or like there aren't as many like ways in which you can pass this information mm. around. Like maybe there needs to be more extension types. Before do you it- feel like the way that you need to activate extensions uh, makes you forget about extensions? Like you need to yeah, hit this share icon and then there's a panel because one of my uh, um I think I will start you know every year I do this annual um iOS wish uh wishes roundup on Mac stories and this is the the, the period of the year when I when I uh, create my note with all my wishes for the next version of iOS and one of my big things in this article that that I'm starting now is being able to activate extensions in different ways. And because I imagine what if instead of going through these all these steps that I need to press the share icon and then scroll through extensions, what if I could just customize shortcuts to specific ex- extensions directly in the toolbars or the menus of the apps that I use. So imagine if you have Instapaper installed, you get an Instapaper icon in Safari in, instead of going through the share icon. and, and Or, for instance, uh, allow me to... This is going to sound weird, but again, allow me to have an extension side-by-side side with the current app that I'm using so that I don't have to choose either you use the app or you use the extension that comes on top of the app. You can do stuff for like a few seconds maybe uh, with both apps and the, the app and the extension uh, next to each other. So I'm thinking that maybe in iOS 9, it'll make, because you made me think of this point that I was, you know, just considering, uh, but I, I, like I get it. It makes sense that you forget about extensions because the entire environment, and I guess for security reasons, but also because Apple didn't have much time, it feels kind of limited in the ways that you as a user can get into extensions. And it seems a bit slow after a while. And then because it's slow, you forget about you know the share sheet and extensions. So yeah, um, all these to say, Mike, that's a great point, Dana. I think it makes sense and it needs to change. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple of things I would add to that wish list. Uh, I wish that you could turn off some of the built-in Apple stuff. So, like, I never oh my want to God, send yes. anything to reading list. <laughs> yeah. ever, I never, ever, ever, I ever. never uh, want to print anything. Uh, I also, even though they said they fixed it, they really haven't fixed it, where if you reorder something... So, I remember this with TweetBot and Safari. Like, I can't ever get my ordering what I want because uh, if I change it one place, it has a tendency to affect it the other place. That the ordering is still sort of buggy, but um, uh, honestly, I I would love to order them per app. Even like that would be fine with me. Just leave them where I put them, and let me turn off ones I don't want. But I, I definitely agree with you. It is it's sort of weird that they sort of hijack the share button for this. And I get it because philosophically, like most extensions send data somewhere else. But I do think that by putting them one layer away, 
it's it's a little bit removed from like a lot of people's uh, a lot of people's minds. Uh, I will say though that on the iPad, especially like using um, something like Tweetbot that hasn't been updated yet, it I I look for them because you know Tweetbot can do some of that stuff natively, but it's sort of weird and like I you know I'm looking for a share button and that's not there, so it has sort of stuck for me. But I do wish that some of uh, so there was a little more polish in the in sort of the experience of actually using and, and editing them and that sort of thing. For a second, like I I heard you say it, but then like didn't think that you said iPad, and I was like, bro, I got something to tell you. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the iPhone app was updated ages ago. Oh no, I've been <laughs> running still... the old one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Everything looks like metal all the time. <laughs> so basically, the only the only extensions that I use, like instinctively of any sort of frequency, are um, workflow. I mean, I use that a lot because there are some things that, like, I want to do, and the only way to do them, right, <laughs> is workflow. So if I ever think of doing a certain thing, it's like the only way I can do it, or it pops up at certain points. Like, for example, it's a bit like. One one workflow that I use a lot is just very simply take the current URL and open in Safari. And mm-hmm. there are a couple of things as being a Chrome user, which is super frustrating. Like if you click a link, uh, if I click a link in Mailbox um, to open the test flight app because I get an email or something, uh, mm-hmm. it will just... It opens in Chrome and then opens the App Store and takes me to the test yeah. flight app in the App Store. And it's that's like, really you're dumb. just trolling me. Like That's fine. <laughs> someone here you is know, trolling me because that doesn't you make know any which, sense. You know which email client can open test flight links correctly? Outlook. Outlook. There you go. So, uh, Mike, question. Yeah. Is the workflow extension slow sometimes to come up for you? Um, if it is, I don't remember it being. Okay. Yeah, because it's I'm running into this strange bug and I need to tell the developers. <laughs> you probably have like a billion in there. Uh and there are other things that pop up, like um I you know, I want to use like send something to Huffduffer or whatever. But like the thing is, like the workflow extension is like a whole other thing. Like I don't even think of it as an extension, it's just like the way I use that app. But anyway, the other one that I use of any kind of frequency is group text plus. Hmm. And the only reason that I use that frequently is because I open up the share sheet to send something to someone by text message, and then that one's right next to it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that one's easier. <laughs> like, I never think, oh, I better send this in group text plus. It's just like it's right next to this the message your, icon. <laughs> this is your, prob- your, your process. You surprise yourself every single yep. time. That is effectively all That's- it is. That's an awesome way to live life, Mike. They are, I, they are, you know, it's just little miracles. They are literally the only <laughs> ones that I use of any kind of frequency. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I didn't, I didn't think you'd still be using work, workflow that much. It's just it's... there are there are a few things that I have it do frequently that just no other app can help me with, easy as mm. easy. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. So there nice. You go. Nice. Very nice, Michael. So is anyone asking me or should I just start talking by myself? I was just about to ask you, but carry <laughs> Thank on. You. As you were, Thank sir, you. as you were. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it, Mike. Um, so the ones, uh, the ones that I use the most, the extensions, are Todoist, Workflow, uh, Clips, and 1Password. These are my, uh, my big ones. Todoist because um, this has been such a huge help for me. 
Um, I always forget to remember things I need to do. And thanks to the extension, um, Todoist is the to-do app that I use. I switched to Todoist uh, last summer. I feel like I can remember stuff because I can create uh, to-dos more easily. So there's less friction. Uh, it's always right there in the share sheet, which I always open. So it's, it's a, I don't forget about extensions because I think for work and for, you know, Mac stories, articles, I use them a lot. So it's kind of become a, a, really a habit for me. And because Todoist is there, like I, I'm forgetting less stuff. I'm still, I still need to get better because I often just don't save something that my girlfriend or my somebody else tells me to do, and then I don't save it manually and I forget. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better, and the extension has been a huge help. Clips, it's a clipboard manager for iOS, and I love the ability to, uh, like, you can clip multiple. Uh, you can save multiple bits of text, like when I'm in Twitterific, because the Twitter app doesn't have the share sheet, and I want to save, I don't know, like links to a bunch of tweets that people have sent me. Um, I can just save them to clips, and then using the widget, I can pull the link back and like paste it in my text editor or my or Slack or whatever. It's super useful. One password, of course, to log in into websites and apps, and especially impressive because of Touch ID. And I didn't think that I would uh, use uh, Touch ID on my iPad much, but thanks to apps like 1Password and stuff that implements Touch ID authentication, uh, it has been useful, Touch ID on my iPad, and 1Password is, I think, the app that I use the most with Touch ID every day. And Workflow, um, I, I do so much stuff into this app, and, and I think I do... All this stuff because it has this crazy action extension. I use it to share links, like when I'm reading in Pocket or in Nuzzle, um, that they these apps use um, their own custom short links. And when I share a link on Mac Stories or on Twitter, I don't want to use these custom domains. So I have a workflow that expands the the real link for me, which is super useful. I have workflows to create the what people call text shots, which is like when you want to to tweet a quote from an article and you just assemble. I learned this terminology from MG Siegler, um, text shot. It's a, it's a thing that people do. Uh, there's a there's a whole theory on the best color and the best typography to use for text shots. Uh, if you're interested, Mike, I recommend using this the CPA theme. <laughs> Because it, it the contrast is much better. When, oh. with it. Anyway, um, so I use <laughs> I used to share links. I used to save files in Dropbox and getting the link back. I use this crazy workflow uh, for virtual and Mac Stories Weekly. I save all the links that I want to talk about in an Evernote note. And I when when it comes to the time that I need to record with you, Mike, or to put together the, the newsletter. I I want to open all these links back again into Safari and go through them, you know, to go through each link to make sure that I want to talk about it. So I have a workflow that takes all these links from a note and it opens all of them at once in Safari. It's crazy. I don't know how to do it. it these guys are geniuses. Um, 
So yeah, I use workflow to a lot of the stuff that I used to do in Python with Pythonista or bookmarklets in Safari. Now I have this visual way with workflow and it's got the extension. So for me, from the oh god, from the productivity perspective, it, it, these days uh, working on iOS is much better thanks to extensions. There are many others like. Today I was uh, I needed to track a shipment and I used the deliveries extension, which is really nice. There's the AnyList extension that I used to save recipes. <laughs> I also basically forced the developers to support Italian recipe websites. They were awesome. They 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 added support for my favorite recipe websites. Um, I love so, how yeah. like me and. I knew this is going to be the case that me and Steven have like one or two. And yeah. then it's like, oh, let me list the ways. I mean, no, 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 okay. phone doesn't have any apps anymore. All it is is extensions. It's like Safari <laughs> and just a bunch of extensions and nothing else is happening. That, that is not too far from the truth. That was the awesome, really awesome view source extension to view the, the yeah. source code of a web page in Safari. I use that on my, I use that on my iPad. Yeah. It's good. Because when I pretend to be a web developer, I look at me, I'm looking at code. And that's really, really funny. Um, yeah, extensions, guys. I, I cannot wait to see what happens in iOS 9. Assuming it is going to be called iOS 9. <laughs> what else would they call it? I don't know, iOS Eight, 8.6. IOS, Semicolon. Uh, We're bad at new OSs. Maybe they'll so go with like a, Apple Phone OS 4. Maybe they go with Microsoft iOS joke. 10, just like Microsoft. Hmm. <laughs> I think that does it for this week. iOS X. If, if you would like to find the show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash connected slash 27. If you'd like to find us online, you can find Federico. He is at Viticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes at maxstories.net. Steven is at ismh on Twitter, and you can find him at 512pixels.net. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I host a bunch of shows at Relay.fm, of which this show is a part of that commitment. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks again to our sponsors for this week, our friends over at Linda, Squarespace, and Igloo. And thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Say goodbye, gentlemen. Arrivederci. Adios, amigos. Why are you?